All right, welcome in to another edition of Neutral Grounders. Here's our NCAA tournament edition of Neutral Grounders. I'm your host, Alex Asaro, and for this man to have the audacity to come back to Scotch Pine Studios and then run his cute little self back up to Arkansas in the land of Razorbacks, Joel Bueller, how is it back in your, you know, home state or your your newfound home state of uh, Arkansas? Yeah, you know, it was, it was a tease being in studio, actually speaking into a microphone instead of over Skype. Uh, but I am back in Arkansas. This will be the last, for sure, the last podcast we will have to record via Skype this season. So hey. that's some good news. So something else to look forward to if one of our, or I guess our only remaining team makes a run. Uh, that The quality of the podcast, while... It is still excellent because we only put out the finest product. Absolutely, will be even improved with me in studio. That's very true, very true, and I'm and I'm looking forward to it. It's um, but you know, you would say that, um, you know, the distance between you're in Fayetteville right now, right? Fayetteville Correct. to to the New Orleans area <clears throat> is almost super close because when you think about how they pair up NCAA regionals, I mean. It's, you know, it's right there. Everyone knows that Baton Rouge and Corvallis are, are I mean, stones throw away. I take that drive every other, every other weekend. You know, I go visit my friends up in Corvallis, and we sip on hipster beers and talk about how great the Northwest is. I mean, Baton Rouge, Corvallis, it's like, that's your regional. As, as many of you probably know, or are really confused by my phrasing here, um, LSU was awarded, awarded, <laughs> a regional bid in the Oregon State regional up in Corvallis, um, Oregon. Have you have you Googled that? Have you uh, map quested? Is is that still a thing? How far that might be? Um, gosh, it might be, shoot all the way up to Oregon. Um, I don't know. It's at least like two. It's like an eight hour plane plane ride. Maybe um, maybe a longer um, drive, but. What a nightmare! Like I think, I think a lot of people were really hoping that LSU might find a regional that uh, that's a little bit closer. But as for right now, it looks like they're just gonna have to deal with what they've got. LSU is heading up to Oregon State, so can't really complain about it at this point. Honestly, though, I mean, at this point, how can the NCAA committee even call it a regional? Um, it's kind of built into the term regional that you're gonna play a team at least only one time zone over and not on the complete opposite side of the country. Um, it just logistically, even it just doesn't make sense for, and I, I know that we sound like spoiled brass because Stony Brook traveled down from <laughs> New York a couple years ago and handed tiger their butts on a platter. So I'm sure we sound whiny, but I mean, there were so many close regionals that you would think the committee would just, yeah. And I think well, that's what it. I think that is. That's what it comes down to. Because I think we were texting on on Monday talking about. All right, where do we think they're going to go? I think most of the conversation was saying. I think I know a lot of people here in Houston, here in Baton Rouge, and in Houston, and in the Austin area really would have loved to see LSU go to Austin. I think that would have been a really great matchup. Definitely would have brought a lot of Tiger fans just because of distance and how big of an alumni base there is there in Houston. But along with Austin, I think after Austin, the most real, you know, I guess some of the best 
that made geographically was either Tallahassee with Florida State, and then even if you stretch it from there, you could say Greenville with ECU or Conway with Coastal Carolina, and none of which were the case for LSU. And that honestly was kind of surprising because I was like, okay, they're going to one of those four, and that's a done deal. But to go to what uh, Oregon State is the number three ranked team, number three ranked nationally team. So um, it, it, at this point, you can't really complain about distance. You talk about just level of competition that you're going to be playing against. Um, they are two seed in it, but um, one that one that will be. It, it, it'll be it'll be talked about, but I, I'm gonna let you comment on that. But I think it's worth mentioning that what was it 2012? Oregon State was a team that played in LSU's regional. I remember going to that game when Oregon State was eliminated. It was a very hard fought fought game for LSU to get in, but um, went in extra innings. Actually, I remember that pretty well. But it's it's. You know, this kind of stuff happens. I think LSU fans, like you said, can get a little spoiled with what they're used to, maybe either being a top eight national seed and finally having to travel. But uh, this is the committee saying that they're playing no favorites here. Yeah, I remember in the SEC tournament, the semifinal matchup, um, I don't remember who was announcing the game, but whoever it was was saying that, yeah, it's looking like LSU will probably be one of those two seeds that no team really wants to face. And then they get the Corvallis draw, and I'm thinking, eh, (laughs) Oregon State's probably not too concerned about who they're facing, if we're being honest. No, no, we're uh, we're definitely going to jump into into what that uh, what that regional is is going to look like. But as we take a look just at the uh, just at the landscape of some of these regionals, uh, obviously the Corvallis one is that one that we're going to probably put the most conversation into. But um, you know, obviously you got Florida as your number one, and Stanford up there as well. Uh, Ole Miss finds itself as a top four national seed along with Oregon State at three. So there, so you've got your top four. Um, any of these any of these other ones that really kind of stick out to you? I think a lot of the conversation lately has been that Florida has a pretty easy um, regional, but there's also some that, that a lot of people say might not go the way a lot of people are intending. Um, I don't know what's what seems to be the buzz. I mean, if you don't mind me asking, what's what seems to be the buzz around Fayetteville? I mean, with the papers there and the media there, uh, you know, do they feel confident? Because it's worth noting that Southern Miss is a team that is always known for kind of making some postseason noise. Uh, is their number two seed along with three with ba- uh, Dallas Baptist and then four uh, Oral Roberts in that in that regional. Yeah, I remember at the beginning of the season, I was saying how people in Fayetteville were buzzing calling that stupid, stupid Omaha's chant that just gets (laughs) so far under my skin. Oh, no. And it's honestly been consistent throughout the entire season because, I mean, the Razorbacks have been able to back it up on the field as much as that pains me. Let me just cut out and say that if they win this damn tournament, next year will be miserable for me. Um, Anyway, now that we got that out the way, (laughs) yeah, you know, just looking around at some of these – some of these regionals and some of these national seeds, rather. You know, I get they had a really good season, but I don't know what it is. But Georgia really just doesn't do it for me as a national seed. I mean, I don't. I get that they had a good season again, but I don't know what your feelings are. But I just, I really am lacking confidence in the Bulldogs to really make any noise. 
Yeah, you know, that was one that we had talked a little bit about when we took a look at how the SEC tournament was set up. <clears throat> you know, you didn't have your usual suspects of SEC teams running the table, but I don't know. You know, I don't hate on what Georgia has done this year. You have to admire a 19-5 and SEC record uh, is killer. A team. This is a team that struggled to make the SEC tournament year in and year out. Um, <clears throat> obviously, in the 2000s, had... Um, had some great success making it to College World Series when they played Fresno. Uh, has been a, has been a team that's just been kind of a bottom feeder. Um, but you're right, a top eight national seed is an extremely difficult thing to get a hold of. I think Clemson honestly would have been a better option there. Um, but you know, there's so many of these integral little things where you know. Maybe maybe a top eight national seed could have been switched around, and then maybe that could have led to maybe another SEC team making the tournament due to um, seeding after that. But uh, yeah, you're right, Georgia. Uh, I, th- I think it's hard for me to see them really running away with that regional. I think it'll be a difficult win, or difficult one, and I know that that's one that you that you definitely you don't have you don't have um, Georgia escaping Athens, do you? No, I have, I have the two seed. I have Duke winning that regional, and in fact, I have Duke beating their super regional matchup, Texas Tech, and going to the World Series, the College World Series. I know that's um, definitely considered more of a basketball school than anything, but <laughs> making a instead of getting your ba- uh, bracket busted by Duke losing, you're going to be busting brackets with Duke winning, right? Yes, indeed. Um, aside from that. My bracket as a whole, as far as College World Series teams go, I mean, there's it's obviously some big names, uh, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Florida State. But one team, I was actually a three seed that I have making the tournament, that I honestly feel pretty confident in is the Houston Cougars. They're in a three seed behind the number one seed, North Carolina, um, Purdue, and then the four seed, North Carolina, A&T. Uh, God bless. Yeah. Anyway, I, I see them making a good run there and then beating the winner of the Stetson Regional. Um, I, I just, I think they have a good shot. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think that Chapel Hill one will be interesting too. I think, you know, it's it's hard to root against or you know, our, when I was sitting here filling out my bracket talking with you, it's you know, it's it's hard to knock out those blue bloods of college baseball. But you know, sometimes that's just that's just how it goes. You know, you have your Stanford's, you have your UNC is a blue blood of college baseball. So is UCLA, LSU, uh, whether it's Cal State, Fullerton, all these teams are your or A and M. These are your Omaha teams that you see very very often. So it's hard to root against them. But uh, North Carolina is definitely one of those um, that you could see uh, the ace. The ACC honestly was kind of underrated this year. You, you, I think the talk about SEC and what they've done this year and should they have had 11 teams in was a big conversation. But uh, it, it, ACC was the same way, where they're always competitive. There's always going to be someone in there. And uh, Chapel Hill is definitely one that is, is going to come right down to it. And, you know, while, while we're talking about that, I think you had, you had mentioned Houston was, was why you ended up bringing that up and the way that they were uh, – the way that they were able to get into the tournament. A team that we had talked about when they played Tulane was a sure tournament team, one who was going to make some noise. But uh, 36-23 and 23 on the season, finished with an RPI of 45. 
And so just to talk about this, just to kind of like start the conversation, we all knew that LSU, we talked last week, LSU needed to get some wins in this SEC tournament. Obviously, going to the SEC championship, losing to Ole Miss was one thing, but they knew we knew that LSU needed to beat Mississippi State. We knew that a lot of these teams, these bubble teams, need. Well, there were so many bubble teams that LSU needed to get the wins. And Houston was able to do that just based on strength of schedule. I think LSU's... Uh, you know, road losses and, you know, 500, true 500, 15 and 15 SEC record didn't do them any justice. When you look at some of these other teams, you know, Kentucky on the outside looking in at a 30 RPI. And you know why? The committee said it themselves, below 500 in the SEC conference. And you almost get cursed for playing in the most difficult division, whereas other teams like Northeastern make it at an RPI of 35. Dallas Baptist got in at an RPI of 36. Troy State, a team that um, that we talked about playing UL Lafayette, was a difficult one to get in. They got in, and uh, there's a lot of these teams that were just that were able to squeak their way in, and um, you know you just really got to appreciate that. But a Houston team that was able to get their way in and and made the most of it. Yeah, kind of along those same lines, when it comes to these bubble teams, what team we cover regularly is a team that's regularly on the bubble, and that's the Southeastern Lions. I think they're, they are a better team than some of these teams that got in with these at-large bids, Troy being one of these teams. I don't, and, and again, this might be the homer in me, but I don't think there's that much of a question that Southeastern is better than Troy. Obviously, Troy's a good ball club. Um, they got an at-large bid, but they're in the Sun Belt, so that helps greatly. I think if Southeastern played in the Sun Belt, they would still perform very well. They wouldn't be in the... They wouldn't always be considered the best or one the second-best team in the conference, but they would always be in the discussion, I feel like. And I, I agree that they shouldn't have made the cut let me get that out the way. I mm-hmm. agree that they shouldn't have after the way they performed in the conference tournament. But I, I'm still a firm believer that they're better than this Troy Trojans team. And you know what? You bring up Troy, and, and that's, you know, that is that is worth mentioning. I think Troy is one of those teams that was tough. Uh, you know, even UL Lafayette was a team that could have been in their place. I know um, about five games made the difference between those two, but... You know, conference play big, plays a big part. But the one that really confused me was was Northeastern. Out of the Colonial League. Out of the Colonial League. Went 17-16 and 16 in their conference, which, great. 17-16 and 16 in your conference. Awesome. But 36-19, and 19, uh, RPI ranking was high, but they're all based on losses. They're all based on early season losses. There was nothing that really stood out to me with this team. Whereas, on the other hand... You know, Southeastern, I guess based on conference, had a five, had a 21-9 and nine record in the Southland. And I think the Southland is a much stronger conference than the Colonial. Um, you know, maybe, and, and the RPI scheduling wasn't as high as it normally is with Southeastern. But for what they were able to do with 37-22, and 22, I agree. I think that Southeastern could have find them could have found themselves at an at-large bid a little bit differently, but hey, we talked about it last week how important that conference tournament would become for them, and um, you know, not really making the run that we thought they would has uh, kind of come back and kicked them in the ass, really. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you have the 
the Lions RPI in front of you, but I know it's something we've talked about in 80. the past. It's eighty. Okay, yeah, that's that's what hurt them. Which, and, yeah, uh, it, it hurts. That's that that is what it. That's what knocked them out this year. We talked about it on previous podcasts. When Riser was making this schedule, I'm sure he thought his RPI would be higher because some of the teams he scheduled, he expected to have better seasons. This is the second or third time we've gone and talked about this. That's true. But it's huge. It's huge. It made the difference whether they're still playing next weekend or not. But let's, I mean, let's just, let's just take a roll through this. Okay, so they lose a, conf- they, early in the year, they lose a, um, a, a, a weekend series to UConn. They take one away from them. They get a midweek win against Purdue, a midweek win against Mississippi State. I think South Alabama is where we thought that their conference, their RPI might get knocked up, but South Alabama has been a team that this year has just kind of plummeted. Um, If you really want to, oh, I guess they did lose a series against Northwestern, but Northwestern wasn't getting in until they made that streak in the Southland Conference uh, tournament. We're going to talk a little bit more about them when we get to the Corvallis region right next door, right? Uh, and some of these big conference win or big um, series wins that we thought would add up really didn't. Like a series win on the road at Sam Houston State, we really thought would add up. Um, you know, it, the, some of these wins were good, but not. I just don't think enough um, out of conference play to really make the difference. I think that SIU Edwardsville um, opening series didn't really help them much also playing sacred heart in toledo it was um it was kind of a mixed bag here but i think uh i think all you can say is if you're gonna have a schedule like this you gotta win your conference tournament that's just really what it comes down to i'm still kind of confused on on how northeastern got in but who knows maybe this team turns turns it around and 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 makes a makes a run in there what regional are they in they're in the just had it in front of me. Oh, they're in North Carolina. They're in Raleigh for NC State. So, um, but yeah, a lot of these teams kind of sitting on the outside looking in. A lot of close ones. Um, Northwestern's in, Dallas Baptist in, Troy State in, Oklahoma State at 41 RPI, and Oklahoma with a 42 RPI. Um, so, got to get those those good, those solid midseason wins. And you know one reason these teams got in? These teams wouldn't have gotten in to the tournament last year, but there weren't as many bracket bu- or bubble busters, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. them. Like sure. Northwestern, uh, Louisiana, not Northeastern. Northwestern was right. one this year, a team that stole a spot away. Um, but that being said, there weren't as many. Do you remember how many there were last year? We were talking up and down, all mad about Texas State stealing a spot. Yeah. It's a Louisiana school that did that this year. Um, <laughs> You know, ultimately, you just have to say congratulations to these teams that do go on a run in the conference tournament and win, like Samford and Northwestern State. And honestly, you just have to say tough luck to these teams that, you know, make, like these the teams like Southeastern, where they knew they needed to go on a run and they just fell short. They needed to go on a run because of their RPI and their the conference that they play in. And ultimately, I'm saying ultimately, way too much. <laughs> my word. You just, you just, you just uh, expressing the gravity of the situation for these, for these mid-major teams, and how final the decision was for Southeastern and all these other mid-major teams that couldn't cut it. Tough luck. See you next season. Yeah, and that's that's the deal with a lot of these teams. You know, you see these small teams, but you know we've seen them make some noise. You know, we talked about Coastal Carolina a few years ago. Oh, going off and beating LSU in a super and moving on and just 
just basically dominating, you know, but winning a College World Series with ease. You know, you've seen your Stony Brooks. Of course, I keep bringing up these teams that LSU has lost to. Yeah. Sam Houston State last year was a great mid-major team to see you to, to see get a lot of wins. So, you know, these guys, they earn it. They're in, and it's it's anybody's game from here. So it's hard to say who's going to win where, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an even playing field now. Everybody's at zero and zero, so it doesn't really matter. But as we look from... Um, you know, maybe our complaints or our compliments to where good or bad teams made it in or out of the tournament. Uh, we turn our eyes to the super close regional of Corvallis, Oregon. Um, LSU was selected. Um, goodness, were you not on pins and needles waiting to see where LSU was going to end up? And then for them to end up in the very, very last bracket that they announced, um, needless to say, had me had me a little nervous because... Up until, what, LSU made that run, LSU was either the last four in or the last four out. Yep. So it looked it looked pretty uh, pretty dangerous for the Tigers. So getting in um, the way they did, it definitely, or the, the way in which they did when they were announcing all these close uh, regionals, I thought for sure they'd go to one of them. We covered them earlier in the podcast, where they may have gone. That may have been a little more favorable for Tiger fans, but the fact that they were announced in the very last regional made me think, oh my goodness, is LSU going to be left out? Is there not, is, is Northwestern state going to be the only team that from Louisiana that makes it into this damn tournament? But, uh, after a full hour of the, of the program, the selection show, uh, LSU along with Northwestern state as a four seed were chosen in the Corvallis regional Oregon state, obviously being the host and San Diego state being the three seed, but First things first, LSU has got to take that, um, you know, take the play that they had in SEC tournament in the way the way they played in that SEC tournament, and uh, and apply it to this. You know, you can't walk into to where these guys are and and lollygag around. I think I think there's a lot of emotion behind uh, LSU versus Oregon State in the College World Series last year. And I think that'll play a lot into Oregon State wanting to win this. But um, LSU's got to come in hot. I know they're probably tired from a full week of playing last week. But um, this is this is a huge regional and one that they have not been able to do on the road, especially with their poor road record. Um, there's a big game as they match up with San Diego State. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously it's going to be LSU and Oregon State that highlight this bracket, especially considering what went down between these two teams last year. Um, obviously, they, they had the fair foul gate, which <laughs> Oregon Beaver fans still aren't over. I like um, to call it the "Was it fair gate?" in the whiny voice. I think that's I think that does it more justice to how much nonsense it was. Especially after you and I whined for the first half hour of this podcast. That's oh, that was amazing. Do, just do you know, it just, it's just it's what we want. And that's all that matters. That's why we do this podcast of because course. we get to make the rules. Yeah. Um, but you know, you said it. They have to worry about the Aztecs first. Um, San Diego State's coming in here. You know, as a as a whole, their pitching staff is good, but they will walk you a lot. I don't know if they've announced – have they announced who they're going to throw in, against LSU? Nope. If I had to guess, I would say that they're going to pitch Jacob Erickson. Um, you know, he's he's their go-to guy. He, he really is their ace. He's, he's solid. He's the only guy out of their regular rotation and starting guys – that doesn't walk people around the bases, um, which is huge. LSU, they're going to need to be disciplined. Um, 
but they're also going to need to know that he's not going to issue many free passes if he if indeed he does pitch um just a name to keep a lookout for jacob erickson um, he's their go-to guy he'll probably see the bump against the tigers yeah um in addition to their starting pitching uh, uh it, it seems as if though you know there's no true ace you know i feel like when we talk about lsu we talk about sec aces that they have to head up against you know and you mentioned this kind of a ho-hum starting pitcher but is still capable of of making some noise uh i think that there's been a lot of work with their relief pitching uh casey schmidt is one of the guys sitting at a 0.28 era um has made some noise and is a big part of you know why this bullpen has been able to eat up some innings i think this is I feel like I use this description for Southeastern too often, so I don't want to use it for another team. But it's a very, very scrappy team. A very, you know, oh man, you love it. The blue, the blue collars of uh, of college baseball. I need to just write a book on them. But uh, San Diego State finished this year in the Mountain West with a 39 and 19 record, uh, 18 and 12. So pretty good in the conference. Basically, had to make a tournament run in order to get in. So it's scary to so it's it, it's great for San Diego State fans, but it's tough for LSU fans to face a team as hot as this. Got their three wins, had to beat UNLV twice in order to get in. One was in extra innings, but um, you know there's a lot of players on this team that really are going to be difference makers, not only in pitching but in hitting. Guys like Jordan Verdon, hitting 341 average, has 26 doubles, 12 RBI. I mean, I'm sorry, 12 home runs and 65 RBIs. So. You know, these guys, you know, I look around at who they are. Not a team that's going to be stealing bases, not a small ball team, but a team that if you give them a chance, they're going to make you pay for it. So I think getting cute, you know, we saw LSU at times, you know, we were talking at the beginning of the SEC tournament with the starting pitchers that they put in when they did. Uh, it seemed as if, though, you know, starting Nick Bush against Mississippi State was kind of an area getting a little too cute. And if LSU is looking beyond San Diego State in hopes of playing Oregon State in the next game and doing something cute like that, this team will make you pay. So I, I would say that, uh, you know, the rotation should run as normal. And you mentioned them not being that small ball stealing base team. Um, that was one thing looking at their website and stat sheet. That was something I definitely, definitely noticed about them. When, because they're playing a pulmonary coach team. Um, you you affectionately refer to him as Tinkerbell. Oh, yes. It's, it's important to remember that that could play a big role on who Maneri decides to start behind the plate. If he doesn't a good defensive catcher, he's going to go with whoever has the hot bat. Um, that could change game to game as well. So, obviously, we're only set to play them one game thus far. We could clearly see them later on but it's important whoever Maneri feels might have the hot bat say Fiducia starts and he strikes out twice he can very well plug Coombs in there to finish out the game knowing that this team isn't going to be running a track meet on the base path oh yeah I mean it, it's it I think that's kind of LSU's bread and butter is having speedy outfielders and you know efficient players all over the diamond so uh you know, being able to just kind of plug and chug. Oh my goodness, I don't know how we've gone a good half hour into this podcast without mentioning the fact that Todd Peterson was able to bank a double off the wall to score two runs against South Carolina in extra innings, but it just seems as if though anybody can just be handed a bat. We saw Austin Bain. All of last year was this junior pitcher who just kind of was a role player. 
now this year has become a closer, an excellent senior, and is also led the SEC in doubles on the season. So, I mean, it's basically, it's go time for anyone. I, You know who I'd love to see in the postseason or play a big role in the postseason only because he played such a interesting role in Omaha is uh, is Chris Reed. This is a guy that I was so high on at the beginning of this year, thought he'd be more integral at third base. I think Jake Slaughter has finally kind of you know made his way and played much better. Um, had some poor at-bats in that SEC tournament, to be completely honest. Can't go without negging him a little bit, but... Um, you know, it, it, anybody can step up. We had to see Russell Reynolds pitch in Game 2 of a College World Series. So it's, it, I think in football, you kind of have that mentality of next man up at any point in time. But you don't expect that in college baseball. But with the injuries to guys like Labus and, you know, Eric Walker being injured this season and Josh Smith being down, it, it, this has been the mentality for LSU. So just about anyone you should expect to uh to make some noise here and, and and make a difference in in this regional if they're gonna if they think they're gonna come away with a regional win against against Oregon State in Corvallis. And you know, there's always the guy in LSU postseason that you know maybe you di- didn't you knew about him but you didn't know that much. He didn't exactly shine, um, but he just seemed to really flourish. so damn well in the SEC conference tournament. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but like for example, last year it was Zach Hess, obviously Psycho Hess. Right. Yeah. Everybody was talking about him. I really think that the MVP of the pitching staff in uh, Hoover, Alabama, was Cam Sanders. That oh guy my went goodness. There and he did everything that was asked of him. It was so impressive to watch him pitch, and it's going to take a deep, deep pitching staff in order to have success in regionals and hopefully supers and beyond. Um, so Cam, Cam Sanders is a guy to keep an eye out for. Yeah, absolutely. And you and you nailed it right on the head. A lot of teams that make these late postseason runs or make runs for Omaha or upset teams in regionals or super regionals are the teams that one can field, but two, I think is the most important is depth in pitching. And we kind of saw LSU, you know, sputter out there i kind of we you know we had a feeling going into the sec tournament they had played six games the arms were tired there was no hilliard or hess um you know you reliable aces to go up there and really make a difference you kind of were playing with pieces and parts whereas old miss was pulling ryan rollison out uh is gonna be a first is gonna be a top 12 pick in this year's mlb draft they were using him in relief old miss wanted that win they could have easily stood back and said you know what We'll just play some of our guys, but only having played four games, that team was well rested. So this is something that LSU, if they're going to make a difference, they got to win the win. Got to get the win against San Diego State so that they're not fighting against themselves by the time they, I'm assuming, would play Oregon State to try and win the regional. Because Oregon State has got the pitching to go the distance this year. Yeah, if you lose that opening game in the regional, as far as a pitching staff is concerned, you're swimming against the current the entire yeah. the entire rest of the postseason, however long that may be for you. Yeah, which may be just one more game before you're out. But um, you know, as we take a look at that, and I mentioned um, the pitching staff that this Oregon State team has. Oregon State, obviously, the hosts finished this year with a 44-10 and one record, a 20 and nine in their conference. And I think this is an interesting thing. You and I complained about this, um, you know, last season. 
with the Pac-12 not having a conference tournament. Uh, that gives these guys basically a week of rest, and uh, I just don't know what kind of what kind of effect do you think that kind of plays on these guys? Yeah, you know, I feel like this question comes up most in sport or it, most in football, the rest versus rust factor. I feel like, and I feel like anyone who knows baseball knows that rest is always needed in baseball. There's no such thing as too much rest. Um, give all your guys some time to heal up. Give your pitchers some time to get their arms right. Give your hitters some more cuts in the cages. Um, I'm honestly, I'm sure LSU players are envious of the Beavers' opportunity to just take it easy for a week. You know, they've been just going to practice. They've been throwing controlled low stress bullpens mm-hmm. don't put those heavy heavy innings on their arms and you know like they really need that you know being the third best team the third ranked team in the country yeah so just between how good this team already is and honestly the fact that they got a week their work cut out yeah, um, LSU is definitely going to have to come in and, uh, and and make some noise but you know this Oregon State team is um you know, we, we basically know who they are. They're the same team as last year. Unreal pitching staff, uh, solid ball club overall. I think I can't turn on a college baseball game without the name, even if he's not at it, uh, Nick Mandrigal being brought up. Sitting at a 395 batting average in the Pac-12 is, uh, is wow. Just made a difference. And he was a huge playmaker um, in the shoot, two games that they played, or three games that they played against LSU um, in Omaha last year. Yeah, you know, honestly, it's just top to bottom. This team has names that you could go on forever. I mean, on the pitching staff, there's Luke Heimlich. That's a name, just like you were saying. If you follow even a little bit college baseball, even if you don't follow many sports west of Texas, you've heard the name Luke Heimlich. That dude, I mean, he's one of the— Maybe, maybe not for good things last year, but uh, you, you definitely know of what, what he's capable of on the on the right. diamond. No, but that's just the reality of it. He was a guy who didn't make the trip to Omaha based on the, you know, the new, their, or the the news that had come out on him um, right before right. Uh, College World Series started. And, you know, that's just further example that you can be good at a sport and not be a good person, honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean— Again, without getting too deep into that, the guy sure. can pitch. He's sitting at a two and a half ERA. Um, One hundred. I don't think you're ready for this. Oh, I am. One hundred and thirty-nine strikeouts on the season. Are you joking? To what? Twenty-one walks. That is absurd. Yeah, and not to mention it. It goes a long way when he's sitting at a fourteen and one record through what sixteen appearances. I mean, that's that's freakish. That is. Freakish, fourteen and one. He basically has carried this pitching staff. Uh, in addition, you know, you saw some of the some of the names from last year, but uh, Jake Mahalan was a big player, and uh, and Bryce. He, uh, I'm sorry, Bryce Femal. You know, we saw a little bit of him last year. So these are. I mean, it's a, it's the same old story from last year. There's a few cogs that are missing, but when your staff is sitting at as a, as an entire pitching staff, you're sitting at three forty nine ERA. Um, in the Pac-12 with that gauntlet of a schedule, uh, this team could pitch. They're definitely capable of doing it and um, are definitely most likely going to handle that poor Northwestern team as they head against them. But uh, a three seed and definitely deserving of what they've done this year. And, 
I mean, you you know as well as anybody that this LSU team can go through stretches where they struggle to hit the ball. So, you know, you got you got to hope as a Tiger fan, as anyone who's listening who supports the Tigers, that they don't fall into one of those stretches against this team and they could be in some trouble. Very true. And then, and then as we look at the last team in the regional, we look at uh, the Northwestern State Demon Demon Deacons, just Demons, at a 37 and 22 record, eight and 12 in conference play, which oof, isn't great. It was less than Southeastern, but hey, man, tore through that Southland Conference tournament with wins over. Here we go. Not one, not two, not three, not 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 three, but four, four Louisiana teams. First, McNeese State in the second round took out South uh, Southeastern in order for them to set up against Nickel State, which eventually eliminated Southeastern, then taking out Nickel State, and finally beating UNO in dramatic fashion. Oh, man, right there. UNO, Blake Dean, and those privateers were so close to making that postseason. They probably could have taken the same plane up with LSU, honestly, with uh, with how close they them, those two are. But, uh, you know, I, I, I dream. But the point is, this team made a huge tournament run and has earned their their way up to up to you know make a difference in this tournament. Yeah. So um, other than that tournament run that this team was able to do, um, this northwestern eh, northwestern team comes in with uh, you know nothing that's really making them flash off the page. I feel like we we could just talk about kind of the same stuff as when they played Southeastern. You know, David Fry's a huge bright spot in that team. Guy who's basically tearing up the, you know, lighting up the record book for um, Northwestern. He'll be solidified. They'll make a statue outside of that stadium for him. They'll retire his number. Uh, the senior first baseman, though, uh, hitting 336 average on the season. He's got 26 RBIs, 12 home runs, and 55 ribbies. Very similar to the San Diego State player that we had just brought up. But um, overall, this team... Not you know not a lot of depth in pitching, um, some decent players, but in a Southland Conference against that first round game against Oregon State, I think it's just going to spell disaster for the Demons up in uh, up in Corvallis. So to be clear, you have uh, Northwestern State winning the Corvallis Regional, correct? <laughs> Look, I know we've had our technical issues through Skype, but uh, you know you didn't hear me say that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could ever. Um, I mean, as far as while we're on the topic, I'll just give you, you know, what I think about this. Obviously, I agree. I don't think Northwestern State will win a game in the regional. I, as much as I want to be a homer, um, I don't think LSU can overcome just the absolute powerhouse that the Oregon State Beavers are. Um, I think LSU will finish runner-up in this regional, but I do think uh, Oregon State will go on to win this regional and then ultimately advance to the College World Series. Ooh. I guess, man, I understand. You didn't go there. You know, you were just some Loyola, you know, Mary, and then you went off to Fayetteville. So, you know, I know I know how your blood runs, but, uh, you know, this purple and gold doesn't run here. Uh, I think that LSU carries this momentum from the SEC tournament. I think once you kind of assess where Hilliard and Labus are uh, pitching-wise and maybe add that depth onto there, I think that you see um, – I think you see this team make a decent run. And I'm going to go as far as saying that they're going to win in Corvallis. I think that, uh, yeah, I'm probably being a huge homer, but I really love the way this team is seeing the baseball. I think wins over Florida and Arkansas in the same freaking day go a long way for this team. Um, I think that they just kind of felt, you know, I kind of knew going into the Ole Miss game that this team just wasn't all there. Um, 
I think they're well-rounded and are kind of finally seeing those guys who can eat up innings. I love that they kind of discovered a little bit more on their bullpen based on what they got out of Todd Peterson and Cam Sanders, like you mentioned earlier. Uh, I think that Caleb Gilbert finally has a bounce-back performance in him sometime this postseason because we loved what he did in Hoover last year, and we loved what he did in the College World Series against this Oregon State team. Uh, I predict that he's going to have, it may not be against Oregon State, but I think this guy plays a role, and uh, the bullpen kind of steps up and, and makes a difference. If if the bats for LSU can hit as well as they can, if they hit to their potential, I think this team beats Oregon State. I think that Oregon State does have better pitching, but LSU has far and away better hitting, higher potential, uh, more, more, you know, they're able to small ball them to death, plus they have power. Uh, I think LSU comes away with it. Maybe I'm being a super homer. I think they got a hard pull um, or a hard draw on the regional that they got sent to, but I think they pull it off. Bold prediction. That's all I can say. You know, (laughs) honestly, I mean, from Louisiana, I'm going to – I pull for every team we cover. I I sure as hell hope you're right, but, you know, per usual – I do feel I'll be right, so I'll leave it at that. <laughs> oh, gee. So you call Tulane with a sub-500 record, and you're some sort of, you know, NCAA genius. Unreal. But, uh, yeah, so that's... Um... Yeah, you know, you say genius, I say savant. But, I mean, <laughs> I think both of us know it didn't exactly take looking into a crystal ball to realize that much was going to happen. I think it just comes down to me being too much of an optimist for that Tulane Green Wave team. And maybe that's what I'm doing for the Tigers this weekend. But, uh I guess we'll just which have to fun. wait and see. Which is funny because you're one of the most negative people I know. So. Oh, goodness. How's the world? The world changes. Unreal. But, yeah, so um, we will be back with you next week to talk a little bit about regional play and how they're at. Um, we do have our regional brackets and our Omaha picks, but uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that next week because f- Joel has a feeling that LSU is not going to be there. So we got to talk about something next week. Last year, with our first year of neutral grounders, LSU was able to go to the College World Series, which was friggin' awesome. But, um, you know, the tables, the, the deck is kind of stacked against them this year. So um, with that being said, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and SoundCloud. You can find us on Twitter. I'm sure we'll be talking about the regionals this week and maybe put up some stupid polls or something like that. Kind of crap y'all like. But um, next week, Joel will be in studio, so we won't be dealing with glitches or anything like that. Um, man, under an hour. Look at us. So efficient today. So good, Joel. But um, for me and for Joel, we will catch you next week. Uh, enjoy regional round of play. Hopefully no rain delays. Later. <laughs>